right, well, good morning. You know that it is the Sunday before Thanksgiving if I am here doing a thankfulness message. It's become a little bit of tradition here at Identity Church that I do a thankfulness message the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And it's because the Lord ministered to me probably almost eight years ago um, in such a powerful way through teaching me about thankfulness. And it was such an impactful thing in my life that I felt compelled to share it with other people. And so I've shared this message many times, but the awesome thing about the Lord is every time I share this message, he reveals new things to me about it and puts me in remembrance of things that had kind of slipped my mind. So I just pray that today that it's a blessing to you as much as it has been to me. So today's message is about thankfulness, and I will share a little bit of my personal testimony about thankfulness. Um, But I've entitled today's message, Guarding Your Heart, How Thankfulness Guards Your Heart. So that's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to look at um, when we're supposed to be thankful, why we are thankful, and how thankfulness guards our heart. So today we're going to start off, oops, there we go. Let's start off talking about when do we give thanks. Psalm chapter 92, verses 1 and 2, it says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. Psalm 34, 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And Ephesians 5, verse 20 says, Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So as we can see here, we are supposed to be thankful morning, night, all times, continually, and always. That means that's a lifestyle. That's not something you do in the month of November on Thanksgiving Day. As a believer in Jesus Christ, that is your lifestyle, is a lifestyle of thankfulness. And I would love to tell you that when you get born again, you're just going to suddenly be a super thankful person, and it will just start happening for you. That's not really how it works. You know, your spirit man gets born again, but you have to renew your mind to a new way of thinking. So if you want to live a lifestyle of thankfulness, you actually have to be very intentional. We live in a really negative society that is constantly inundated with bad things. Everywhere you look, on the internet, social media, the television, the people you talk to and encounter, everything bombarding you is negative. And you are going to have to make a concerted effort to be a thankful person. It will not just accidentally happen if you want it to be your lifestyle. Accidentally happening, or maybe I should say occasionally happening, is what most people do with thankfulness, even believers. But to live the lifestyle, it has to be something you are very aware of. And we're going to have to kind of renew our mind about that and train ourselves to think that way. So let's talk about why should we give thanks. Well, Psalm 118.1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. So why do we give thanks? Because God is good, and we know he's always good. Psalm 107, verse 5, it says, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. So there it is again. We're thankful because of the goodness of God and the wonderful works he has put in our life. Psalm 100, verse 4, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. I want you to notice this is not a a scripture that says, When you feel like it, be thankful to the Lord. When something happens really good, be thankful to the Lord. That's a command. Do you recognize that? That's not a if you want to or if you feel like it. This is a command of the Lord. 
You are to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise to be thankful and bless his name. Do you know that God is so good if he ever commands us to do something? It is because it's going to benefit us. He is such a giver. We can look at John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. He is by his very nature a giver. God is not egotistical. He's not sitting up in the heavens going, bring it, bring it, bring it. I deserve all the thanks and praise. We know he does. And you know, we could never, if we spent every moment of every day of our life praising and thanking him, it's never going to be enough. His command for us to be thankful is because he knows it benefits us. And we're going to reap a harvest when we live that life of thankfulness. So today, let's look at that a little bit more. What does a prayer look like with thanksgiving? Father, I come to you in Jesus' name, and I thank you for your promises in your word. The word that says, by your stripes, we are healed. That says that Jesus paid for sickness on the same cross that he paid for salvation. He paid for mental health, the same cross that he paid for physical health. That he paid for everything I need. He became poor so I could become rich. That means that if I have that bill coming in, I'm not thankful that I'm broke. And I pray that he teaches me through poverty to learn something. No, I'm learning that he has said he would supply my need. That's what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for the promise in God's word. And that's how I come before the Lord. I'm not coming to remind him of his promise because he's forgetful. He's like, oh yeah, I forgot I said that. No, why are you saying that? Who's it for? Us. I'm reminding me. Father, I thank you that you have promised this in your word. He's up there going, you're right. Yes, I did. You just march on in it. That's how we come before him with thanksgiving. I thank you for what you've already provided, Jesus. You're so good. It says to let my request be made known to God. And then what happens? The peace of God, which passes understanding, guards my heart. Let's talk about that for a minute. It passes understanding. That means it goes beyond what I can figure out in my logic. In my understanding, my way of trying to solve this situation, his peace helps carry me beyond that to go to supernatural things that he can help take care of. And it says, and it will also guard my heart and my mind. So I want us to look for a few minutes today at what our heart is and how it connects to our mind. And Dusty actually spoke a little bit about this last week. I thought you were going to teach my message, and I, was, I didn't know what I was going to do if you did. So, but anyway, we're, we talked a little bit about it this uh, past week, but we're going to talk about three different definitions of the word heart that we see in the word. First of all, how do you guard your heart, or why do we? Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. The word keep here is the word nasar in the Hebrew, and it means to guard or maintain. It is our job to guard and maintain our heart. We do this by keeping our focus on God's love, goodness, and his promises that he reveals in his word. Notice that scripture in Proverbs 4 doesn't say, ask the Lord to guard your heart. It doesn't say that. This is a command statement. The English teacher in me is looking at it from a grammatical perspective. If you look at that part, keep your heart with all diligence, the verb is keep. What's the subject? It's what we call understood you or implied you. You keep your heart with all diligence. That's our responsibility. So we are the ones that are supposed to put a guard around our heart. Well, how do we do that? We do that by keeping our focus continually on him. Our thoughts are stayed on him. Thankfulness is me keeping my thoughts on him. It's me constantly being aware of his presence, his love, his goodness in my life. 
And when my thoughts are in that direction, it just keeps building my trust in him. And now I've guarded my heart. So what is our heart? Well, the first definition of heart we see here we're going to look at today is cardia. It's the center, the seat, or the inmost part of your will, of your character, of your belief. We see this definition of the word heart used in these two scriptures we're going to look at. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So the definition here of your heart, this is what you believe to the point of salvation with. Okay, look at the... Scripture, Mark eleven twenty three. this is the same word cardia here. This is Jesus talking. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So do you realize here that your heart is what believes or doubts? That same heart is what you choose to either believe Jesus or not believe. Doubt and belief are the same thing. They're just in opposite directions. Okay? Let's look at some more definitions of heart. This is something Dusty talked about last week. Nefesh is how you say that. And it's your mind, will, and emotions. Hmm. It sounds like my soul. Okay? And that's used in Proverbs 23, 7. It says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. And then the third definition we have here is pronounced lab, and it means your inner man or your core belief. And we see that in this scripture we've already looked at, Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart, your inner man, your core belief. Keep it with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. So if we think about that, all three of these definitions working together, our heart is what we use to believe or doubt, and it connects very strongly to our solical realm, what we think, and our will, how we act. You know, our will is really powerful. A lot of people have some confusion about God's will. They think that God wills this and wills this and causes this and causes that. Um, he gave us free will. It is his will that every human being be born again. But is everybody born again? No, because you have free will to choose to believe him or not. So it is our job to protect and guard our belief system, our, our will, our mind, our thoughts, all of those things. That's our responsibility. See, your heart's what you use to believe or doubt. It's the soil where the seeds of God's word are planted to produce his promises in your life. Or it's the soil where seeds of unbelief are planted to produce doubt of his promises in your life. Do you realize that you are planting something in your heart all the time? There is no time where you're not planting. You say, well, Heather, I, I'm not, I'm not like, taking anything in. If you live in this world, things are being planted in your heart everywhere that you turn. And if you're not being intentional about planting God's word, then I promise you things contrary to God's word, that's what's being planted in your heart. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The last time I taught, we talked a little bit about faith. And I said that I heard a minister say this, and it helped me a lot with the scripture. It says, so faith comes by hearing from God, and hearing from God comes by his word. 
right? So I'm going to hear God when I'm reading and studying his word and hearing things about his word. That's how faith comes. But if that's true of faith, look at this last statement. Doubt comes by hearing the word of man, the lies of the enemy, or anything contrary to God's word. It works both ways. I'm always sowing something in my heart, in the soil of my heart. I'm either putting in God's promises that will produce in my life, or I'm putting in doubt of his promises. And it's going to produce fruit. The life you're living today, the things popping up in your life, are because of the things you planted years ago. And if your life is not going in a direction that you're happy with, then the only way to change that is to start sowing what you want to have produced in your life. And, you know, a lot of us are very much a fast-food-minded mentality of society. And we think, I'm going to plant God's Word today, and tomorrow there's going to be a harvest. Now, what does the Bible say about how it works? Seed, time, and harvest. And we like to go, seed, harvest. Seed, harvest. I'm waiting on the harvest. Where's the time? You don't go out and plant a physical garden and expect tomorrow that the whole thing's there. The word's the same way. I need to start planting now. And I think some of us just sit around and wait till the storm pops up and then we're out there in the tornado trying to dig the soil up and plant our seeds. It's so much harder to do it that way. If I will plant today the things that I'm going to need in the future, you know, I, I think we need to be planting things all the time. You plant healing scriptures. Well, Heather, I'm not sick. So... You live in a fallen world and the enemy will try to bring sickness at you. So you plant healing scriptures right now while you're healthy. And if you're sick, plant them anyway. But I'm saying go ahead and plant now. Plant scriptures about provision and prosperity. Plant scriptures about peace, about freedom from fear. Whatever you need, plant it. Well, how do I plant it? You go to the Word. You read the Word. You study the Word. You listen to teaching about the Word. You talk to people about the Word. See, the Holy Spirit's your teacher, and He will put you in remembrance of the things you've read, the things you've heard, the things you've talked about with people, and He will use those to teach you. That's why the Scripture says you don't need any man to teach you. The Holy Spirit is your teacher. But you know what? If you haven't been planting anything, the Holy Spirit's really having to hunt stuff down to be teaching you from because you didn't plant anything, you know? Plant something. Plant the truth of his word so it can produce a harvest in your life. Why do I guard my heart? Well, an unguarded heart will begin to have doubts about God and his goodness and love. And it's not something that a lot of people intend or plan to happen. It just kind of happens. You know, I am not a plant person. I've tried really hard. I don't have green thumbs. Um, And my sweet mother-in-law has blessed me with many plants. She usually gives me succulents because they don't need much water or care, and they're much more likely to survive. Um, It's kind of a running joke with my family that Heather's house is where plants come to die. So I'm doing better. The older I get, the better I get at it. And um, anyway, so, you know, if I leave a plant alone... Like I have, we moved into this house and they had worked so hard on the landscape and it looked so fabulous. And it did. And then suddenly there were things popping up in there. I was like, well, I didn't plant that. Well, that's a weed. What is that doing in there? You know what? I didn't go out there and dig up any weeds. I didn't, I didn't do anything to it. I just left it alone. But it was still producing. It was still producing. And that's what's going on in the soil of our heart. You may be leaving it alone, but guess what? It's still producing 
And the next thing you know, little weeds will pop up. And what does the Bible say about the things that get sown sometimes on stony ground? They come out and choke the word. So the word that you did have and you did know gets choked out by the lies of the enemy because you were not maintaining and guarding your heart and it snuck in. And what was one little weed that if you had been paying attention, you'd have been like, "Uh uh-uh, and you'd have jerked that thing out of the ground and went on your way. But instead, you're just like, yeah, I mean, I know what the word says. I've read that chapter before. I've heard that message before. I've done this before. Are you eating today from a garden you planted three years ago? Probably not. I mean, unless you froze it and canned it. I'm talking about you. It's not going to pop up every year. You have to go replant that garden. You need to be planting all the time. Every single day you need to be planting the word of God. You know, I am in a perpetual cycle of I bounce between wisdom, healing, peace, and provision. And those are the things that I study and listen to. And then sometimes the Lord takes me on a different path and I follow whatever the Holy Spirit guides me to do. But I have audio recordings that I found on YouTube, and I can share those with anybody that wants them, of healing scriptures that a minister reads out loud. There's music in the background, and he'll read it in one translation, and then he'll read it in three or four more translations. And then he moves on to the next scripture. Do you know on the way to work every morning, I play that for about 10 to 15 minutes of my 35-minute drive? On the way to work, sometimes on the way home. What am I doing? Planting God's word. And I do that for a week. That whole recording is about an hour. So after, by the end of the week, I've gone through just about the whole thing. And then the next week, I swap from healing over to peace. And then the next week, I swap from peace to wisdom. And I'm constantly putting those things in. And then also, I'm spending my time reading God's word with whatever it is he's directing me to read. Because I need to plant something. And I think sometimes there's a lot of believers who just aren't planting anything. And they haven't guarded their heart. And sometimes they wake up in a place they didn't mean to get to. Dusty and I have noticed recently some people at times we were very close to a long time ago who were really godly people that loved the Lord, living really good lives, raising awesome families, and we haven't seen them in a long time. And then we encounter them and realize, wait a minute, they're out of church, their marriage is falling apart, or they're sick, or they're struggling financially because they've lost their jobs. They're having all the, their kids have kind of just gone off into horrible directions. And you're like, wait a minute. What happened? I thought I thought you were in the work, and it was just something that they just one little thing at a time, let go and let go and let go. I think that um, COVID and the quarantine was a horrible thing for many reasons, but it got people out of the habit of church. And how easy is it to just go? I'll just sit back in my PJs and turn that television on and just let it play. And you know what? I have received some awesome revelations from watching sermons and from listening to them. But you know what? To me, that should be your option if you're not feeling well that day. Or if you have to go back. Like when I work kids' church, on those Sundays, I go back and watch the live stream or listen to the podcast or the message. But I don't make that the way I always feed from the Word because I need to be with a, in the fellowship of fellow believers. right? So we can all together stir each other up in love and good works. And so that I can just receive the word and be in an atmosphere of believers. There's something about that. You need to be there. We need to be with each other. So if we don't guard our heart, we will begin to doubt. And it won't happen tomorrow. You won't wake up tomorrow and be like, I don't believe God. But anything that God said, and I don't believe the word at all. No, it'll be one little thing at a time, one little thing at a time that you slowly let go of. There are people that I talk to that I haven't seen in a long time. And just listening to their speech 
pastor wouldn't have said that. And I'm not talking bad words. I'm talking the way they've just accepted things in life. I heard somebody say that somebody that I knew for a long time that was just absolutely grounded in the word and I talked to them not too long ago and everything out of their mouth was the most ungrateful, angry, hate-filled, bitter thing. It was just negative, negative, negative. Kaylee and I were talking about it and afterwards she came and she said, Mama, did she always used to be like that? I was like, no baby, she didn't. And something must have happened and she's harboring bitterness. But see, if, if, if you're not in the Word to protect against that, then there's no Word for the Holy Spirit to draw up out of you and go, wait a minute, you need to let this go and stay in your place of peace. And instead it festers and turns into something so much bigger that's so much harder to deal with just because I let go one little thing at a time. See, an unguarded heart, it will default to carnal thinking. That's the default. If you're not thinking on thankfulness, on His goodness, on His love... It will default to the five senses. I'm now thinking on what I see, what I hear, how my emotions feel about it, and that's the direction we just naturally will go if we're not training ourselves to think on the Word. A well-guarded heart is protected from the lies of the enemy. See, thankfulness is the guard that keeps my thoughts focused on God and on His Word. I want to show you a scripture it's a scripture we've all heard, and I think most of us can read it and go, boy, that applies to today. But I want to point out some things in it that I thought were interesting. This is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. It says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. That's a pretty strong scripture. But I want you to look at these words I've underlined. Unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. When you attach a verb to the prefix un, un means not. So the prefix un implies an altering action where the state of thing is being changed. So for example, unwrap and untie. You were given a wrapped gift, but you chose to unwrap it. You changed the state of how it was before. Untie. If your shoe is tied and you untie it, you have changed the state of its existence before. If you are unthankful, that implies that you used to be thankful, but you are not anymore. You have changed the state of what was. If you were unholy, that implies that there was a time perhaps you were holy, but you've made changes and you're not anymore. Same with unloving and unforgiving. You used to be those things, but that state within you has become altered. That's what happens with an unguarded heart. I used to be but I'm not anymore. And I don't say this to, to try to threaten or scare or make people go, oh gosh, I don't want to become that person. No, it's just a, I want us to be aware. You have to be intentional. We're living in these days that are different than anything before. I mean, it's, there's darkness everywhere, and it is our job to protect against that. What are you watching? What are you listening to? What are you allowing to be planted in to your soulical realm? 
What are you planting in the soil of your heart? Because it will produce. And if you're not planting anything, then by default, you are planting the wrong thing. There is no, I'm not planting anything. Yes, you are. You're always planting something. Yes, there's always a weed. Always a weed. See, thankfulness is me constantly recognizing the goodness of God. I'm going to share with you a little bit of my personal testimony about thankfulness. And if you want the long version, it's on a previous message. But um, today I'm just going to kind of shorten it up. But several, this was probably almost 10 years ago now. Um, Dusty and I came to a place of what we call holy dissatisfaction. As in, we just realized we were not satisfied with life, not because anything was bad. We were in a wonderful church with wonderful people. Um, Our jobs were great. Our kids were great. Our house was great. Everything was great. But something was not, like there was something missing. I remember going to church one Sunday morning, and we had a fellowship that day, and I went to the fellowship, and I almost, sorry, guys. I almost felt like somebody who was standing there looking in a window, and everybody was doing their thing. And I had always been a part of that thing. But this time, I just felt like that wasn't where I was supposed to be. And I'm out there looking at it, and I'm thinking, why do I feel this way? And I blamed myself. I was like, well, you just need to get in there and be nice to people and talk to people. But I just felt like um, an outsider. And it wasn't because anybody wasn't welcoming me. Everybody was being the same. It was me. Something was wrong. Something was different. This went on for a little while. Dusty came to me one week. He goes, do you feel like where we're supposed to be? We are where we're supposed to be. And I said, I don't know, but I don't know where else to be. He goes, well, I guess you're right. And I said, well, I'm not leaving a church and and what we do just because I don't know where to go. I'm not leaving until God gives us a direction. So we began to pray about it. And, y'all, God changed everything in our life. I mean, we changed ministries. We changed churches. I changed jobs, we changed houses, we changed social groups, not because we were like disconnecting with people, but because we had moved churches, which kind of connects to your social groups. Our whole world changed in a relatively short amount of time. Now, I'm the kind of person, and maybe you're this way too, I was, at that time, I was not okay with change. Change scared me. I was like, wait a minute, Lord. Dusty and I do music ministry. That's just who we are. That's what we do. And you're like doing these little whispers of like something else. And I don't know that I can do something else, Lord. That's just not me. And then there were these little nudges at my job of your time here is finished and you need to go over here. And I was like, now, wait a minute. I'm kind of settled over here, Lord. I, I don't know that I can change jobs. And everything was like that. There was this me doubting that I could do it, this fear that it wouldn't work out, that I would fail, that something would go wrong. All of those things, but God is so good. And he knew I was going to need something to be able to get through these transitions. And so we went to a conference. It was a worship leaders conference. And the minister there, uh, those of you that know Pastor Greg Moore from Karis, this is who was speaking. And, y'all, I really don't know what all he talked about because the only little blurb I heard was about 30 seconds of his message where he said that true worship stems from a heart of thankfulness. And he said, try doing a thankfulness journal sometime. And that's all he said. And he went on. It was like somebody put that on a loudspeaker and just shouted it at me. And so over the next week, it was like everywhere I turned, I heard the Lord going, you need to start a thankfulness journal. You need to start a thankfulness journal. You need to start a thankfulness journal. And so me being 
very honest with the Lord. I was like, Lord, I don't journal. Don't you understand? I don't, I'm not a journaler. I had tried many times in my life to be a journaler, and that's just not me. I found it burdensome. I would forget about it and come back three weeks later and be like, oh, shoot, I was supposed to write my journal, but I forgot about my journal. And I was so afraid of, like, committing to this to the Lord that I thought, you know, I don't want to, like, lie to the Lord and tell him I'm going to do it, Lord, and then forget about it. So I tried to, like, ease my way into this and tell him yes without really committing too much to anything. So here's what I said to him. Now, I'm being real transparent. I said, Lord, I'll do it. I'll do the thankfulness journal, but I'm only going to write something down if I see something be thankful for. If. If I happen to see something be thankful for, Lord. Thank the Lord for his mercy. You know, he probably could have been like, flick. (laughs) But he didn't. His grace and mercy. And so, in my serious commitment now to a thankfulness journal, I didn't go buy a beautiful journal or anything like that. I got an old notebook. Do you notice what it says in the top left corner? Caleb Cornelius. This was an old notebook from his school. It says, if you can read the small print, science journal. At the end of school every year when my kids came home and dumped out their backpack, I took leftover notebooks, and if there were pages in them, I would tear out their stuff and leave it and use it for grocery list or whatever I needed. You know, I was trying to save the little piece of the notebook. So I was like, well, I'll just start my journal in that. Yeah, a little serious. So I started my thankfulness journal, and I wrote in it, And I tried really hard to be committed. And I told the Lord, I was like, Lord, I'm not saying I'm going to write it in every day just when I happen to notice something to be thankful for. So I wrote in it, you know, one day. And then several days would pass and I'd write in it again. And then I would sense the Holy Spirit nudging me. Did you notice this? And be like, oh, okay. Oh, that's a good one. I'll put that in the thankfulness journal. And what happened was slowly but surely, I began to write in it every day. And then I began... I'm sorry, this was so powerful in my life. I began to write in it morning and evening. And then I began to write in it multiple times a day. And then I'd go to work. And so many things that would see, I would see that I could be thankful for. I had to like start making sticky notes of what I was going to write when I got home in my thankfulness journal. It snowballed. I wrote everything. I wrote every tiny little thing that wouldn't be important to anybody but me. And I wrote big, huge things. Big, huge things like somebody gave a donation and paid for Dusty's um, mission trip in Bible school to help pay for that. I wrote down that I got a really good parking space at the grocery store. I mean, no, I wrote everything down. If we had studied for a test for Kaylee or Caleb at school and they made a good grade, I wrote that down. I wrote down everything I could think of to be thankful for. I filled up a notebook and I filled up the next one and I filled up the next one and it just grew and grew. And a couple of years later, I looked back. I had changed jobs. I had my income, my my income and my job had been cut in half when I changed jobs. I never stressed over changing a job. We never missed a beat with any financial situation, even with that money decreasing. Dusty went full time to Bible college. He worked a full time job that was highly demanding. He left work every day on Tuesdays and Thursdays and went to Bible school, and he was there till about 10.30 at night and got home about 11. And he went every single Saturday for two years from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. to Bible school. That means that I did all of the baseball practices and all of the extracurriculars and all of the things that parents do. I did that. We moved houses. We changed churches. 
God sent us for a season to a church in Jacksonville, Alabama. We drove an hour and 15 minutes one way to a church that most people would have said, what in the world are you doing there? But God had a training ground there for us. See, he took us through all these changes that he knew I could not handle, I was not ready for. So he is so good and he loves us so much. What did he do? He helped me to keep my thoughts on him. He helped me to keep seeing his goodness. He kept me seeing his love and faithfulness to me through that thankfulness journal. So when the whole experience began to settle down, I turned around and was like, look at how far we've come. Look at what God has done. Look at where we are. It wasn't a stressful thing. It was the most wonderful experience of my life, and it was because my thoughts were focused on the goodness of God. Amen. I'm not telling you today to run home and start a thankfulness journal. As a matter of fact, Caleb asked me yesterday, he's like, Mama, how many thankfulness journals do you have now? I have one now that um, Papa Jack, my father-in-law, and Mimi, they bought me a leather-bound beautiful journal, and I meant to put that picture on there, and I never did. But um, it's a beautiful leather journal now that actually has, like, interchangeable pages. When you fill it up, you can change it out. So I have a beautiful journal. But I don't write in my thankfulness journal every day now. The Lord began to, you know, ease off of that because I had, he used it to train me to think on him and his goodness. And so every once in a while what will happen is if I get real stressed out, he'll be like, hey, why don't you get the thankfulness journal back out? It's like, oh, yeah. Okay. And so I'll get that thankfulness journal back out. So I'm not telling you that you've got to run home and start a thankfulness journal. But what I am saying is thankfulness is powerful. The Lord deserves more thanks than we could ever give. But when we are thankful, it not only is thankfulness to him, it is a blessing to us. It's our constant awareness. God, you're so good. I see you everywhere I look. I'm so thankful for you being in my life. I pray that over my students all the time at school. I teach at a Christian school, so I'm very blessed to be able to pray over my students. And I pray that everywhere they go, they keep seeing the love and goodness of God. That everywhere that they look, they keep seeing his faithfulness to them. I pray that for you too. That everywhere that you look, you see God's love, his goodness, and his faithfulness. It's your job to maintain your heart. Are you maintaining it? Are you letting weeds grow in? Let's all be vigilant. Let's not do weeds. Let's get our weed tiller out. Get rid of those. Dig up those rocks out of our soil and plant the truth of God's word. Amen. That's all I have, babe. Do you want me to close this out or you got something you want to say? You know, I'm very, very thankful for all of you. You know, on this Thanksgiving week, um, as now I'm going to get emotional. You know, God does things a lot of times that we don't understand, and He puts us in places that we never, ever, ever thought we would ever be. <clears throat> in fact. How many people has an, had an idea when you were like 20 years old of where you wanted to be in your life, right? Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, is that I've had many of those in my life. And, you know, I'm thankful for where, for where I'm at. I'm very thankful for this woman. This woman right here, good Lord, if y'all just knew how much she pulls me out of the fire all the time. <laughs> But I'm thankful for everything God is doing. And I want you to be thankful for what is going on in your life. And you may say, Dusty, I have a lot of things in my life.
don't need to be thankful for. Well, you're, you're typically looking at your life either through positive or negative lenses. You know, that's one of the reasons why I think that it's important for us to maybe take, take a moment and do a thankfulness journal. You know, Heather is very nice. She won't give you homework. I do it, though. You know, sometimes I think that if you believe that something bad is happening in your life, you need to do things like this and let the Holy Spirit use it. Because if you, if you give your heart over to what the Holy Spirit wants, He'll show you the weeds. You know, I think it's funny. I, um, we lived next to a, we lived next to this big um, open lot back a few years ago and they had built a house on it now but you know you could see it from the road and you thought man that just looks like just grass like everybody else's grass but the moment that you walked into my yard you realized how bad it looked it made my yard look bad it made everybody's yard look bad and it was because it was nothing but just scrub and weeds and see that's what I think a lot of times is our focus we think that the weeds is the grass and the goodness in our life or the things that God has put in our life. And what we have to realize is that God did not put that there. The world put that there. You know, and after they built that house, they come in and they ripped up all of that scrub and they, they put down, you know, they put down sod. Man, it was beautiful. See, God wants to rip up all the weeds and all the scrub that's in your life and what he wants to do is he wants to come back and he wants to lay sod down something that's beautiful and he wants you to maintain it so that the weeds of life don't come back up through that through those beautiful sod that you'd put down I, I do believe that this is that God is telling us today that if we have areas in our life that we are not very proud of or we have areas where we don't think that goodness is happening, this week, it doesn't have to be every day. Be led by the Holy Ghost. But take time to write down a few thankful things. Let this Thanksgiving actually be about thanks and not about turkey. And I think you will find that it will be the best Thanksgiving you've ever had. Do you want to pray us out? I can. Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your love, for your presence. Father, I pray that we are continually aware. And everywhere that we look, we just keep seeing evidence of it, of your love and goodness. I pray, Father, for this family of believers, Lord. I pray that they have the best Thanksgiving they have ever had. I pray that you illuminate to them all of the good, all of the things to be thankful for. Father, I thank you for this time of fellowship that we're going to have together today. Thank you for each person who's here to fellowship together, who brought things to contribute to the meal. Father, we love them so much and we thank you for them. I pray, Lord, that this food is blessed to the nourishment of our body, Father, and we thank you for it. We love you in Jesus' name.